Hello and welcome to the Negative Positives Podcast, episode number 123. I'm your host, Mike Gutterman, coming to you from the Gutterman Cave on a Sunday night. And that means it's a Sunday night. So this ship, this spaceship is being expertly co-captained by the able hands of Mr. Andre Dominguez. Andre, how are you doing tonight? I am doing great, Mike, and happy Worldwide Pinhole Photography Day. So you actually did some pinhole photography. I did not. I did not do pinhole photography on photography, pinhole photography day. I did not participate in Polaroid Week because I've been fighting my stupid car all week. And uh, since this is not an automobile po- uh, podcast uh, and it is a film podcast, Andre, why don't you tell people about some actual film stuff you did this week? Absolutely. So uh, once again, a little shameless plug for the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook group. If you are not already a member, request to join the group because of Mike's crazy schedule. I will personally accept your invitation request. Um, but yeah, I've been posting there on the on the group about what I've been doing this weekend. On Friday, I became the proud owner of a new and larger, uh, my first actual you know, my own and larger that I own, uh, the folks over there at Southeastern Camera, my, my friends, coworkers, my second family, uh, you know, offered me a, a great price of, uh, of $25 on this uh, fully functional 35 millimeter um, Bogan enlarger. Uh, so it's got a, a 35 millimeter negative holder um, with like a good solid base, a sharp Nikon 50 millimeter lens, and then they just helped me kind of get everything else that I needed, an easel, the trays, the tongs, all that stuff. Sadly, the only thing that they did not have was a safe light, which was not, you know, something that would deter the brave Mr. Dominguez. Uh, because <laughs> after having been so inspired by John Gregory's A Light in the Dark podcast, hearing him explain how he, he created the little dark corner of his garage, I took it upon myself to you know, grab a large roll of gaffer tape and gaffer the crap out of the <laughs> out of the door frame of my bathroom. And uh, despite not having safe lights and despite, you know, having a whole bunch of limitations, uh, I checked the, the time on the receipt and a little under four hours after I had purchased the enlarger and all the assorted paraphernalia, I had, you know, I was able to, to clip up my first um, completed you know, properly exposed uh, print that I made in my own darkroom. <laughs> that's that's way better than me because uh, Mr. John Gregory gave me a uh, Omega uh, uh, enlarger, uh, you know, a month or two ago. I don't know. And I've been slowly piecing pieces together to uh, do a darkroom for about the last eight months. And I still haven't made a darkroom print in my house. So you... You have, you have definitely made me look like a slacker, Andre, and as you always do, and I appreciate that. No, no, no. Let's let's kind of qualify that a little bit. Like, does uh, does your store does Chuck Rubin like carry darkroom supplies or no? Well, he does. Actually, the last time I was in there, he uh, it's a Chuck Rubin is a very cool vintage store here in Louisville, Kentucky. And if you're ever in Louisville, I definitely recommend you stop by there. It's like a it's a camera wonderland, and uh, especially for film photographers. But uh, last time I was in there. I asked him if he had any darkroom equipment and I did actually, that's where I bought my gray lab timer and I did get a safe light. So Andre, you might be printing already, but I have a safe light and you don't. So uh, there you go. But uh... <laughs> I may not have a safe light, but I've got properly exposed prints and some bruised up knees to show for it. <laughs> and I have not yet made a print yet. So, uh, and I still need, I still need like trays and I need to get the chemicals and paper I need some tongs, just stupid little stuff. I still need to to kind of like, uh, and I also got to figure out how I'm going to make this all work in my tiny bathroom with four people living in a small house and also figure out, uh, yeah, all how to uh, kind of, uh, how much gaffer tape is going to take for me to like light tight the room. <laughs> but, but yeah. Do you want me so. to give you like a, a tiny little description of, w- of what I did? Because I think it yes. might actually work in your bathroom pretty well. So, yeah, I, um, perfect. I that both of our, both of our enlargers, like the actual base is, is not that much bigger than eight by 10. I'm not sure if it, if it is like 11 by 14, but as long as you've got space on the, on the counter, even if it's sort of like kind of diagonally, so it's not falling into the sink, 
um, to put the enlarger down and you're careful not to tip the entire thing over. Um, all you really need is, is that there, uh, stick the safe light somewhere in the, um, in the, the bathroom. So it's not shining directly on the paper, like kind of try to keep it as far away from the, the paper as you can. Uh, the, the blocking out all the light in the bathroom really only required like three pieces of, um, of, of gaffer tape along the, the two, you know, vertical edges and then on the top and then on the bottom, I actually just got these like little rugs that I have in my bathroom and sort of folded them in half and shoved them underneath the door and that worked to block out all the light. And then the trays I just put in the bathtub. So yeah. all I had to do, like not having a safe light, I would expose the, the paper, take it, you know, out of the easel, fumble my way over to the, the bathtub and then just drop it in the tray and I'd have like the 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 gray lab timer with that big you know glow in the dark clock face on it so I would just be still able to see the timer and then you know time the development the stop and the and the fixer all in the dark so it'll, it'll probably be easier for for you with the safe light nice and my safe light actually has a dimmer on it which is kind of nice because apparently john gregory ran into a trouble where he was using a safe light that had a little too much brightness and was uh, certain uh, certain papers uh, was actually being exposed by it or being uh, fogged by it uh, but i actually have a dimmer on mine so i got a pretty nice safe light uh but uh the nice thing is i was actually kind of planning on doing the trays in the tub so i think that'll work and uh, my enlarger, uh, I think, is, is a lot like yours, where I think the base is not that large. So I should be able to use it in my bathroom sink. But like you said, maybe diagonally. As far as the bottom of the door, I don't have a huge crack in the bottom of my door. But my sons are always very, very nice about leaving uh, their wet shower towels all over the floor. So I can just uh, use those to, <laughs> to block the light coming into the bottom yep. of the door. Multi, multi-purpose. <laughs> nice nice so it was uh it was pinhole day and i actually last night uh, so basically my week has been a a real uh, a real crappy week as far as photography because of my car trouble but so the last two days my dad and i have been uh fixing my car and uh, i will happily report that my car is running now i have a vehicle again i do not have to buy a new car and or a new used car and i can can probably not sell some of my beloved pentax cameras so that makes me very happy and uh but uh at last night after dad left uh from the first session of fixing the car i was like you know I, i'm gonna i'm gonna make a pinhole camera and just in case just in case uh me and dad get done with the car early enough today i could shoot some pinhole photography and uh, I ended up not getting the pinhole camera completely done. I was kind of disassembling a really cheap plastic 35 millimeter plastic camera. Andre, the one that we bought when you were in town at the thrift store, the 35 millimeter focus free yellow fantastic banana camera. But uh, <laughs> I remember I a special uh, place in my heart. <laughs> I was going to turn that into a pinhole camera. I started working on it. And I'm kind of glad I, I ended up not finishing it and because uh, I got frustrated. And I'm kind of glad I didn't because it turned out that today uh, was uh, another full day of car repairs. And I didn't have uh, time to do a pinhole shot anyway because, uh, I don't know, I judge uh, uh, the difficulty of repairing anything in house or autos by amount of uh, trips you have to make to auto parts stores or Home Depots or whatever. And this was about a five-trip uh <laughs> repair so that's that's pretty complicated once you get up past like two trips to get something fixed it, you know you're getting at the expertise level and it took us like five auto parts uh, store trips to get everything fixed and but uh i'm happy that I, I got it running but it did not allow me to participate in worldwide pinhole day there's always next year i guess and uh but andre you did participate in pinhole day and uh, you met a Mr. A Mr. A, a, the Mr. Illustrious Corey Cannon. So tell us about that experience. Yeah, absolutely. So I um, have had my Ondu pinhole, my Ondu pocket uh, 135 pinhole for about a year. I never really touched it. But then this year, you know, I, I've, I've been looking at more pinhole photography uh, ever since I, I you know, heard um, Corey on the Sunny 16 podcast. And then, you know, when he came out with his own podcast, so we, we'd started talking a little bit. He's based out um, on the east coast of North Carolina, about four, about a four hours drive away. So he was actually, you know, making a trip uh, closer to me uh, 
And when we, when we started talking a little bit more and I started saying that I was interested in, in pinhole photography, we, we hatched this little plan for him to take a, you know, a slight detour before heading back to the coast um, to come down here to the Chapel Hill Carborough area and shoot around uh, campus. So we, we got here. And so in the, in the, the last like week, week and a half, I've been sort of testing out the, the Yondu to kind of like, you know, make sure that I knew how the camera worked, what its quirks were, like tips and tricks to avoid having like my finger in the frame, which definitely happened a few times. Mm-hmm. So like by the the time that like I got to today, I felt more or less comfortable with it. So when we were out there, I wasn't like super nervous about, you know, screwing things up. And we had a, a great time. Corey, as I'm sure that you guys know, if you've listened to his podcast or listened to him, uh, you know, as a guest on other podcasts, is a super nice guy, very relaxed, very laid back. Um, and we just we just talked a lot of photography, just kind of walked around campus without any real plan. Just if we found something that was, uh, you know, interesting, we, we stopped in and shot it. Naturally, I was asking a lot of questions about pinhole photography from the master himself, asking about different cameras, different like, you know, concepts of, of pinhole, opening up the pinhole assist app and like figuring out like features that I didn't quite understand. So we had a, a great time. And right around lunchtime, he had to, to head back uh, for his, his four hour drive to the coast. But uh, in that time, I went ahead and got my film developed, uh, six mini rolls, mini rolls being like, you know, rolls of like six or, or seven exposures that I, I cut down from a, a normal roll of, of 36 exposures and reloaded them into those black plastic reloadable cassettes. So six uh, mini rolls of 35 millimeter film, four of FP4, two of Tmax. And by the time that he got home, I had developed those scan them and, and posted them up on all the on all the Facebook groups for you guys to enjoy. And I'm happy with with some of the results. I'm actually really enjoying Pinhole. Awesome. Awesome. So yeah, and actually it should be said that Corey was gonna try to come on the show with us tonight as a guest, but he's exhausted after a long day of traveling. So he's not gonna couldn't make it. But uh hopefully maybe next week we can maybe get him on or very soon because I'd like to hear both you guys on the same show to kind of talk about your experiences shooting together. So uh, that that's something that uh, we want to do uh, very soon. So Corey, uh, you're going to have to maybe stay up late on a Sunday night or something and join us, but, uh, or we'll have to like start earlier, but uh, we're going to make that happen. But uh, also uh, you, you, you talked about uh, the bulk loading that you, you kind of like loaded some short rows from 36 exposure rows uh, uh, into uh, the little you know, I guess you, you use the little plastic uh, cassettes to uh, to for uh, bulk loading, or I guess is that right? Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. Um, what I've been kind of doing right now in 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 testing the Andu is not only to kind of get my feel for the camera, but also to test out a bunch of of different kinds of film. I'm not like really going to be buying 35 millimeter Acros anytime soon. I've got five rolls that I've already promised to to trade with with junior wyatt for just some hp5 uh i mean it's 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 not something that's like sustainable i know that i want to shoot pinhole for the long run i'm not going to be like hoarding acros or like you know tracking it down so i've been testing out a bunch of films and and instead of like the the logical thing that a lot of people would would think is like okay well yeah why don't you just like bulk roll a few frames of a bunch of different types of films and that's great but i've only got one bulk loader (laughs) And that would be an expensive experimentation just to, to find my, my go-to 35 millimeter stock for pinholes. So yeah, what I ended up doing was just buying one roll of a bunch of stuff, T-Max 100, uh, Ilford Delta 100, Ilford Pan F Plus, Roly RPX 100, all like the, the low speed black and white um, films that they had at Southeastern. And then one of those uh, rolls of 36, if I, you know, if I take all the film out and then cut it into four, it gives me around like, you know, six or, or seven exposures per little mini roll that I just feed into those reloadable cassettes. So for each film stock with just one, like commercially bought 36 exposure rolls, um, gives me four little mini rolls to, to test out that film under under different conditions. And I'm not doing any scientific tests. I'm just shooting with what I have and seeing what 
what comes out. Like the ones that I posted, uh, was it yesterday or two days ago, um, of the Ilford Panf uh, Plus, really low, uh, that 50 ISO film from Ilford came out super contrasty, whereas the FP4 that I shot today was a lot more, you know, normal and like better tonality. So that, that informs me a lot because now I know, you know, depending on what I'm shooting and especially with these short little roles that I'm doing, um, it, it's nowhere near the, the, the versatility of like interchangeable backs by any means, but for such a short role, I can just fire off a, a few shots, especially if I'm kind of like bracketing the exposures um, and then switch to a different film, depending on if my subject would look better with really, really high contrast or more of a, you know, of a flat look to it. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, this week was my first experience of bulk loading. I think I talked about it on a previous uh, podcast, but, uh, uh, John Gregory gave me a bunch of expired, uh, ectochrome and, uh, like, well, actually E100S. And he also gave me like a bulk row of like expired, like, uh, ectochrome duplicating film, which is very strange. It has like an e, uh, exposure index of like 40, I, 40 basically. So I guess it's kind of like 40 ISO sort of as far as the exposure index or whatever. So, you know, I did, uh, I thought this is the perfect time to, to try out bulk loading because this is film that John gave me for free. If I screw up, it's not that big of a deal, but uh, I really enjoyed the process of bulk loading. It was, uh, it was fun, but, uh, but I did do sort of the similar to what you're talking about. I made sure made sure to row at least one row of each of those stocks with like a 12 exposure row or a 10 exposure row, just so I can shoot that row first, bracket it, and see you know exactly how I need to rate these films because these films are really expired from like 1999. So so I don't, I'm not really sure exactly where to shoot them at. Uh, so I did do like a little short, uh, 10 exposure rows to like, just kind of take one shot and bracket it and see exactly where I need to set my exposure when I actually shoot, uh, the, uh, many, many rows that I've got out of these, uh, bulk, uh, rows that John gave me. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good idea. And plus with pinhole photography, like, you know, it's a slower process anyway. So <laughs> with you using a 35 millimeter pinhole camera, if you had a 36 exposure row in there, uh, the, the slow process of pinhole photography is, it could take a while to finish that. <laughs> well, I mean, you'd actually be surprised. We've been having some some pretty sunny days, and uh, with all the films that I've been testing out so far, the majority of my exposures have been like, like a second, half a second sometimes. So I've just been sort of opening and closing the, the shutter like as fast as I can. <laughs> Um, and definitely like overexposing some of the, the shots. I definitely think that when I eventually upgrade to that, that zero image uh, six by nine with the cable release adapter, um, I'll be able to really kind of get that down. Cause you can be so much more precise with uh, a cable release than you can with like moving that block of wood that's held in with a magnet on the front of the Andu camera. Um, and even that thing of like when the mat, when like the attraction of the magnet slips in order to like let the the shutter open, it shakes the camera a little bit. I've noticed, so it's it's a good first pinhole camera to at least see whether or not you like it, because I'm I'm sure that there are some people like looking at my pinhole images, and and we also you know could see that very easily on the. The question that somebody posted in the Facebook group, I think, like last week, saying, "What is something about uh, like film photography that you have zero interest <laughs> in?" And so many people said pinhole. So for those people in, that are listening to the podcast, I am so sorry that we're going on and on about this. Uh, but yeah, no, I can definitely, you know, imagine that there are some people looking at at, at the pinhole images and be like, "That's that like it's a it's an engaging image. It looks interesting. I like the contrast, but like if you just shot it with your Olympus XA instead of your Andu pinhole, Andre, it'd look a lot better. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm trying it out. I really like it. There's something I think very endearing about that soft focus. Of course I do want something a little bit sharper. Hence why I want to, you know, move into medium format with the zero images and the reality. So subtle. I mean, they're fantastic cameras. Um, sure. I'm very happy with with what I have right now. So, yeah. So, I, I mean, just <laughs> so so like uh, I mean, I I've, I've not delved into pinhole much, and my first attempt of doing it you know, like a decade ago was a miserable failure, and I've sort of like avoided it. But you know, it, it, 
viewers, I mean, listeners that for the show know that I like effed up kind of photos. So like, I love Hoga's and stuff like that. So I'm not, I'm definitely not uh, anti pinho or whatever. Uh, so, but so from your little bit limited experience doing it so far, like, are you thinking like lower speed films are going to be where you're going to kind of gravitate or like, like 100, 100 ISO or like, or do you think you're going to go high? I mean, what, what, what speed choice of, of film do you think is going to be going to be the winner eventually for Pinho? Is it going to be like a lower speed film or, or what? I think it's definitely going to like depend on, on what I'm shooting. Like Corey was actually kind of surprised that in my bag, I had one of those like, uh, Japan camera hunter like 35 millimeter film cases the one that holds 10 rolls of film granted I was shooting those mini rolls so like in no time at all I'd be done because there'd only be like six or seven frames on there mm-hmm. but uh, I definitely I don't want to I don't want to load that few frames I think like instead of cutting the entire roll into four now I'm gonna start like once I actually figure out which stocks I really like I'm gonna just cut it into into two so that I have like you know, 14, 15, um, uh, exposures on there because like, I, I do want to just be able to kind of like shoot and, and not be constantly reloading the camera. Cause it does take a little while to, to reload, but I think there's going to be like a, a few stocks that, you know, I enjoy obviously on a very bright, sunny day, like we've been having, you're gotta have low speed films because something like, you know, 400 speed film, I would have had like, you know, one fifteenth of a second exposures, and there's just no way to do that with a, with a pinhole camera, without yeah. like shaking the thing or just like I mean you can't get that precise. So in a lot of cases, like there are even sometimes where I was wishing that I had like a neutral density filter, so that I could, you know, extend that that time out further. Sometimes it's like to have more of that motion blur effect of like people walking by and cars passing by and other times just because it was giving me like a third of a second and I didn't, you know, I didn't trust myself to, to, to open that like little sliding wooden shutter on the front of the Andu for a third of a second accurately. So it's, it really depends. I know that a lot of people do stuff indoors with 400 speed film. So as with all things film photography, uh, I think it's really going to depend on, on what it is that I'm shooting, what are the lighting conditions. But I do want to kind of have like a small handful of, of films that, you know, I know how they, how they work under pinhole and, and just have a few stocks, like a couple daylight stocks and a couple indoor stocks. Yeah, yeah. And you said you told me when we were talking, I think last night on the phone, you have a pinhole app that kind of even even tells you like the reciprocity effect of each of the films you're using. Is that correct? Oh yeah, the the pinhole assist app that I had to you know pester my parents to to look in their stuff for like an old you know iPhone of theirs that they weren't using because it is only iOS. All of the pinhole apps on Android absolutely suck in comparison. But the wonderful thing about the yeah. pinhole assist app is that um, they have like profiles for all of the like popular you know commercially purchased pinhole cameras which you know let's be honest it's like it's like two or three companies that that you know have the the lion's share of the pinhole market and so they've got the profiles on there so all i have to do when i open up the pinhole assist app is to select the camera the ondu pocket 135 mark ii and that um, already has like the focal length of that camera the aperture of that camera you select the the film you're using uh, and it's already got like you know imported on all those profiles for the films like each film's unique uh, reciprocity characteristics and then um, you switch over to the little light meter uh section of the app and it'll pull up a, you know like a what looks like an iphone light meter app that that i'm sure a lot of you guys have, have used in the past you can also just input manually like what it what you're seeing on your handheld meter uh, but I've been, you know, testing out the phone one just, you know, because there are days when I forget or I'm too lazy to bring my handheld light meter. Um, and so it'll show up, you know, according to the aperture of your pinhole camera and according to the film speed that you selected, what the exposure time should be, uh, just like for the film period. And then below that, um, in like big block letters, it'll say like what the adjusted reciprocity time is based on those unique reciprocity characteristics of the film you selected. So if let's say I'm just making up stuff, but like, let's say I was shooting T max 100 in the 
Ondu, which has an aperture of like f150 or something like that and it was saying that my exposure was like half a second then the the reciprocity adjusted time could be like you know two and a half or three seconds so and then there's nice. a section of the app where you know you hit the, the, the little stopwatch button as soon as you open the the shutter and it'll do like a, a you know a timer down so you, you it has like everything that you would need to to shoot pinhole from the the camera profile the film profile reciprocity a built-in light meter a built-in timer it's it's beautiful awesome awesome well i'm definitely gonna have to get that app because i do ha- i am a happy apple iphone user except when it comes time to plugging in some effing headphones and there's no headphone jack but other than that <laughs> i will have to try that app out <laughs> But, uh, okay, so we are going to take a break here. But before we get to the break, uh, we want to remind everybody about the uh, the negative positives, uh, double exposure, tag team film exchange event. It is going on. And we told people that uh, tonight was going to be the last night to sign up. But Mr. Sean Nelson is going to give you through tomorrow, uh, Monday, to sign up for this. And Sean has graciously sent us uh, several uh, voice recordings into the show to kind of give us a good update on everything that's going on with the film exchange and uh, just some great tips and some of the, how it's going to work. And so he's kind of, he, he sent me an email and I'm glad that kind of gave me all the information, but then he just did voice recordings. And I'm glad he did because it's much better coming from him than me trying to read an email. So uh, we're going to take a break. And in between these two segments, I'll put in Sean's uh, voice recordings that tell us about everything that's going on with the negative positives, double exposure film exchange. And uh, we will be back after that and talk some more nerdy film stuff. So we'll be right back, folks. Hey, negative positive podcast listeners. This is Sean from utahfilmphotography.com with an update on the Negative Positives Double Exposure Tag Team Challenge. So far we have 41 people signed up, 8 people have signed up to shoot more than one roll of film, 10 people are international, we have photographers from Australia to Romania, the UK and New Zealand, 23 people will be shooting black and white, 18 people will be shooting color, Uh, 13 will be doing C41, 4 will be doing E6, Uh, and three will be doing E6 cross-processed. Here are some dates that you need to know. Sign-ups will end tomorrow, Monday, April 30th. After that, you won't be able to sign up for the challenge. Um, And then during this next week, this upcoming week, you'll receive an email with the information for your match, the person you'd be matched to shoot with. You'll receive that by Friday, May 4th. Just a reminder, the first person to shoot the roll of film has agreed to one, supply the roll of film, and two, mail the finished roll to their match partner. The second person to shoot the roll of film has agreed to develop the film or have it processed at a lab, scan the roll of film or, or have it scanned at a lab, and three, share the resulting images with his or her matching partner. Um, just a reminder, all of your information is confidential. Only your match partner will have your info. When you receive an email this week with your match partner, uh, please just take a minute to reach out to them and introduce, your, introduce yourself, uh, share the vision that you have for this uh, double exposure role, and don't forget to tag your image on social media with hashtag NPDoubleExposure. One last item, and this is the most important of all, the Double Exposure Film Exchange was created to be a fun event. Make sure you shoot your role and you fulfill your part of the challenge. If you have any questions or you're having issues with your matched photographer, um, feel free to drop me an email, info at utahfilmphotography.com. I'll be tracking these things, so if we do this again, we can make it even better. Um, Thanks, everyone. Now go out and take some awesome film photos. All right, folks, we we have to give a huge, gigantic, Super Nelson for uh, definitely doing all the work, like this uh, negative positives, uh, film exchange, double exposure, tag team challenge. Uh, I, honestly, Andre and I haven't really had to do anything. Sean has 
taken this thing, this bull by the horns and has basically done all the work for us and has made this really awesome and organized it in a very awesome way. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And we just can't thank Sean enough. Uh, Andre, do you want to like uh, uh, kiss John's, uh, Sean's ass a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, when you when you hear about these things, these little like community events, be it it's like something like, you know, World of Fight Pinhole, photography day or like the traveling yashica or you know things like that that require or i mean even emulsive secret santa all of these things require so much coordination so much like intentionality so to all the people that do those sort of things and to our very own little helper here at the negative positives podcast mr sean nelson we give you a a huge you know uh debt of gratitude and we, we will be sure to make it up to you <laughs> nice and uh so uh yeah so sean pretty much gave the the down low how how it all is going to work and uh and uh you know he's the he's the he's the dungeon master here he, he's 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 got the uh the, the he's got the whole rules down so uh and it sounds like it's gonna be really fun uh so you have through monday uh to sign up for this if you are one of our new members which by the way uh, the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook group has now broke over 200 members uh, recently in the last couple of days. So super excited about that. And thank you all for joining the group. And also, also obviously, thank you for listening to the podcast. But it's really, really cool to see that Facebook group uh, growing like that. And we're getting a you know, new member request every every couple of days and so. And it's been very active and it's been super cool. And And most of the time, uh, Andre is the one that lets you in instead of me because I, I apparently am a slacker. So uh, there you go. <laughs> it's so funny, guys. I mean, like, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I for sure noticed because I, I, you know, being being the wise moderator of, of this group, um, I turn like on all notifications. Um, naturally, like sometimes I silence my own phone so it doesn't you know, drive me crazy. Um, but, you know, whenever something is posted or, or like people comment like that, I usually see it. And so you can tell when when Mike has woken up or he has access to the Internet or a break at work because I just get a flood of, of Mike Gutterman like this. Mike Gutterman commented on that. <laughs> yeah, my my uh, my uh, uh, appearances on the Facebook group comes in uh, definitely in some spurts. And uh, <laughs> it's 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 a uh, it's a it's very uh it's sort of guerrilla warfare I do on that on that on that uh, Facebook group. I come in and attack real quick, and I get out for a while, and then I, I do. <laughs> so that's just the way my schedule works, I guess. But uh, I will say this too: uh, Neil Piper has a post up that uh, he wants like all the new members to kind of. We have one thread that where everyone is trying to like put up their social media so we can all check out each other's work, and uh, he wants us to make this like a sticky where it sticks at the top. And I think I might have got that figured out, but I'm no Facebook genius, so I, we'll see if that actually works or not. And uh, I mean, I'm trying to avoid at all costs making Neil Piper a moderator because things could go really. Me too. <laughs> but if he's the only one that knows how to do it, then he may be awarded a, a moderator status. And uh, gosh, things could just get really uh, sketchy at that point. But we'll see. Well, it, it might be. It might be the. That might be the thing that causes the Facebook group to jump the shark. I don't know. But we'll, we'll see. What <laughs> it's okay. We can make him temporary moderator. I can, can remove always... him whenever I want. <laughs> we can always take it away, Neil. So don't you get cocky. If you start talking too much shit about Pentax, I'm going to kick you right out of there. But, uh, no. <laughs> but also, guys, like one thing that I do want to say about the, the Facebook group, I mean, like, I think a lot of people are members of, of multiple film photography related Facebook groups. Um, and when I see, you know, you guys posting things on on other groups, uh, and, and I just see sort of like the level of kind of commitment that people have to, to our group, the level of engagement of people, you know, helping each other out, asking a bunch of questions on there. I honestly, and I'm not like just, you know, tooting our own horn here, but like I do think that our group is one of the ones that has like the most like active engagement. And granted, not all 200 people are constantly posting photos and liking, commenting on everything, but like the solid little like large handful of you that are doing that often, like you know who you are. Like we we see you. We appreciate it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. It's been a nice little fun little fun little film family and it's it's pretty awesome. So uh 
But uh, Andre, I sent you some emails that I didn't get a chance to print out. Uh, there's, a, there's actually we got an email from Matt Melcher about we put out on the Facebook group uh, making a, a subject about the ideal of how many keepers you have per row. And uh, we're going to skip that one because we're going to save it for an, like a full podcast to kind of like talk about how many keepers you get per row and how many uh, and like your, your scanning workflow or just workflow in general and just kind of a, saving that for another podcast. So we'll probably post that again on the Facebook group to get some more emails about that particular subject. Matt Melcher, we appreciate your, uh, your email on this. We're going to save it for a, a full podcast when we can delve into the subject a little a little further and also your 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 podcast box of cameras is awesome so keep it up and everyone should be listening to that as well but um let's see here uh but we do have uh, two other emails that are not about that subject and andre can you uh read those out to us because i didn't have a chance to print them out (laughs) absolutely so we've got a short one here from the good mr michael hoagland about the kodachrome film he's saying uh he just watched it Uh, it's pretty good enough inside photography banter uh, that it shows someone knows film. Yeah, that's definitely something that that you can you can tell. I don't know if it's um, uh, I mean it it is a, a combination of both. If you guys listen to the episode of um the Kodakery where they interviewed Mark Rosso, not to be confused with Mike Rosso, the FPP, but Mark Rosso, the director of the Kodachrome film, he said that um both Jason Sudeikis and uh. Ed Harris are both, you know, active uh, film shooters. So you could tell that both on the directorial side, on the on the actual actors as well, people have a knowledge and, and, and passion for film. It's written into the script. And there definitely is, you know, enough little, you know, tidbits in there that if you're watching it with a loved one who, you know, does nothing but, you know, indulge your, your obsession with film, they'll enjoy it for the fact that it's a great story and you'll enjoy it for the fact that it's a great story, but you'll have like the added sprinkles on top of, you know, like real uh, accurate film uh, information and knowledge in there. Absolutely. And we should mention (laughs) the sunny 16 podcast this uh, last (laughs) week. Uh, They basically called uh, Andre Dominguez a big old crybaby, and uh, Graham just Graham just uh, shot all sorts of arrows. uh, Just let him have it, and uh, yeah, it was. uh, I got a big kick out of it. But uh, Andre, how do you feel about uh, Graham calling you a big wuss? uh, As far as on the uh, Sunny Sixteen on a on a worldwide podcast as famous as theirs, I don't know where were you at with that. I mean, honestly, he's not wrong, so I can't even be really mad about him. <laughs> and, and I know that, like, you know, we both know from personal experience that, that you know, verbal insults <laughs> and, and, you know, digs like that are how Graham, you know, shows love. So it's, <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. And I had, I had Rachel, you know, to, to back me up. So thank you, Rachel, if you're, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, Rachel did come to your rescue and said something like, "If if Andre thinks it's good, we should probably watch it." But then Graham still still got in another dig even after she said that. So like he just that's just the way he operates. But uh... <laughs> oh, we've also so you know I I managed to to in asking um, you guys all know that we've been trying to sort of up the the production quality of this podcast and also try to you know, get over some of the technical issues of the Anchor app with, you know, recording it live on our on our phones. We especially want to, you know, reach out to some, um, you know, international uh, audience members to, to get them on the podcast. So I had reached out to, to Graham to ask about some of the, the decisions that they made for the Sunny 16 podcast. And in him giving his, his wise knowledge, yes, I'm, you know, I'm, pandering to him now um go ahead andre you're opening up a can of worms man you're you're, you're feeding <laughs> graham's ego and it's just gonna be that's gonna be bad so but go ahead <laughs> uh, he did manage to, to very expertly extract out of me a promise that you know with all of this information comes uh you know the promise that he will be our our first international uh guest so once again sorry neil piper um <laughs> somebody else is coming out on top we would love to give you the first spot but i have already promised that to to our dear friend graham <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, Neil's going to stop. He's going to stop listening. He's going to unsubscribe from the group now. I can see it. But, uh, but uh... <laughs> I mean, he's already been dethroned as like the, the master of, of, you know, thrift stores and, and, and car boot sales and charity shops. Danny Roberts has absolutely dethroned him. Oh, my God. That guy takes the crown. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> all right. So uh, we had another email uh, about the lab box, right, Andre? What was that one? Yes. Yeah, so this was sent by Robert Brown. Uh, his message says here, Mike, don't know if you want to mention analog related Kickstarter campaigns. Of course we do. But for the non-supporters of the much anticipated and much hyped lab box, here's the latest. It will be really cool if it works as advertised. Cheers from Sonoma. Going to try and get that pinhole shot in today between baseball games. If that is Sonoma, California, um, Robert, uh, do let me know if you are free sometime this summer while I'm out there in California so we can meet up. Um, but yeah, Mike, do you, do you have any, uh, knowledge or experience of the lab box? Did you back it? No, I did not back it. Uh, but I know a lot of people were super pumped about it. Now that's the one where you, uh, it's supposed to make like developing a really, really easy because it's kind of an all in one sort of unit, right? Is it, am I correct with that? Like if I'm, if I'm yeah, remembering. so they, yeah. they are called like, you know, daylight developing tanks. Yes. All of our Patterson tanks are daylight, but, um, the unique things about those styles of, of tanks, the, the most popular kind of historical example are the, the Agfa Rondinax, uh, tanks. I actually have one. Um, I bought one as soon as I, I backed it because I wanted to, you know, not only do a comparison, but also to kind of see what had like in the original design that had inspired them and understand how it worked better. The same thing happened with, with ham camera. Like I, I went ahead and bought a bunch of box cameras just to kind of wrap my head around it more and, you know, learn about where the inspiration came from. But, um, those tanks, instead of you loading, um, the film onto a reel inside of a, of a dark bag or a changing tent. Um, it's actually this, you know, box. It's all self-contained. It's got a reel inside there with a little, um, like, clip mechanism that attaches the leader of the film to the um, reel. And you put on a lid, and there's a, a wheel on the side that you turn. And what it does is that that, that little clip that is clipped onto the leader will pull out all the film from the 35-millimeter cassette or your 120 roll, and then there's a knife that cuts it um, off of the of the roll, and you you continue to spool it onto the till it's inside of that tank, and you pour in your chemicals and you know pour it out after the, the developer and the stop and the fix, so that you do the entire thing in daylight without having to uh, use a dark bag. Now the downside of that is that for both um, 35 millimeter and medium format you're only developing one roll at a time. But one of the reasons why I'm super excited about it is because it's really, I think, going to open up home developing for a lot of people. Not everybody shoots a very high volume of film. Um, and so the larger tanks, you know, sometimes don't make sense uh, because you're, you know, using a lot of chemicals for putting one roll in your two roll tank or, one rolling or three roll tank. Uh, but also, you know, people who, who do get like the film sweats quite a bit and they, they hate changing bags or they don't want to splurge for a changing tent. Um, students who are learning it for the first time. I think it's, it's going to be great. And I'm more than happy uh, waiting for them to really kind of perfect the designs. I'm in no rush. Um, I think most people, even the people who are kind of bitching and moaning aren't really in a rush. They, they probably have, Patterson tanks or some variation of that and they're developing um, just fine as they are. I understand the frustration of, of like, you know, waiting and it, the projects being delayed and things like that. But, you know, what would you ultimately rather have a, a product that they took their time to, to make the best that they could or something that was rushed um, to meet an original schedule and then, you know, you getting something that doesn't work well, that it's leaking. These daylight tanks, like the Ron the Agfa Rondinaxes, the original ones, um, do tend to leak quite easily um, and have, like, a number of other little issues. So I'm very content to, you know, you know, let them use all the money that they raise in the Kickstarter to make it the best they can be. Keep Keep on delaying it. Just make it so that when it comes out, it's perfect. I agree. And actually, I feel the same way about Kodak Ektachrome. A lot of people were griping about that taking so long. But you know what? Kodak, just get it right. 
get ectochrome right and I'll be glad to wait. I'll wait another year for it. If it takes it, to, I don't want to, but if it just get it right, you know, and uh, so there are a lot of people who are kind of in that same boat with that. Uh, but I agree, Andre. I think uh, the lab box has a real potential to get more people that are scared of home developing into home developing. So I think that's a, a, a real positive. So I, I hope the product, <clears throat> it really lives up to its uh, what it sounds like it's going to be because uh, you know, a lot of people are scared of the whole dark bag and the whole loading reels and stuff like that. Uh, I remember there was a, uh, a Kodak years ago, decades ago, had a sort of a daylight tank the same way. And it, it failed miserably because it just did not work. So <laughs> that's something that Kodak should have possibly perfected and didn't because that tank apparently did not work at all. You put kind of a reel in this like this. It sort of looked like a normal developing tank, but it had another like little plastic reel area off the side of it. You were supposed to put your 35 millimeter cassette in it and it was supposed to work. But everyone that's ever tried it said they could never get it to work. But uh, so lab box, absolutely make it work. And uh, I think it might get more people into it. that are scared of the whole uh, spooling uh, of film. But I'll say this, uh, probably the reason I didn't back it had it come out you know, three or four years ago when I was cussing and fighting reels more than I do now, I probably would have backed it, but I'm so sold on those, uh, those Arista, like the big, huge tab, uh, the Arista premium reels or whatever they have out. And it's made my re- my spooling of 35 millimeter film on the, t- uh, on the reels so easy. And even 120 so easy that, uh, I don't really cuss and fight and, and, uh, throw things across the room. Like I used to, uh, before I uh, found those reels, but, uh, but I can see where the lab box is going to make that a lot easier and a lot less scary for people getting into it. And so, yeah, all, all the, uh, all the hope that that's going to be a great product. And, uh, you know, I, I agree, take your time, make it right. Uh, there was also something in that email, Andre, I, I didn't really uh, look at it as all that much before I looked at it. There's some sort of a electronic display thing. Did you see that in an email? What, what was that about? Did, uh, or maybe you haven't had a chance yeah. to look at it. So when uh, the the company that's uh, that's making this is an Italian company called Arzimago, they um uh, they have a you know storefront a retail location there uh, somewhere in Italy and they've been you know selling film there for several years. They uh, they have their own you know line of, of chemicals. This is their first kind of um, hardware uh, product, but. Uh, what they essentially did throughout the course of their, you know, massively successful Kickstarter campaign was that uh, they started implementing stretch goals that really, really kind of expanded the functionality. Like, I think their first one was just like an extra reel so that, you know, you don't have to wait for the other one to, to dry before developing another roll. But then they slowly, slowly started adding like newer and newer, like cool things. Uh, what you might've seen uh, that picture on the the latest uh, Kickstarter update is actually this thing that they're calling the professional lid, where the lid of the developing tank is going to have like a like a touchscreen type thing with like a a temperature like thermometer like probe in there, so you can monitor the temperature inside of the of the tank, like have a timer on there, which is like really really neat stuff. Is it stuff that like you know kind of going back to what you were saying like? Do I, for example, need a lab box? No, not at all. But it's cool. It's like the first, I mean, at that time, like at the time that I backed it, it was like the first like film-related Kickstarter that was actually kind of something new. Yes, I know it takes inspiration from the, the Agfa Rondon axis, but like, you know, other than like a few, you know, Lomography cameras, when the lab box uh, came out on Kickstarter, it had been a long time since something like new and innovative and creative had come out um, in like the film hardware space. So I, I just wanted to, to kind of support them. I still use my Acro Ronanax every once in a while when I've only got one roll of film um, and like I'm either impatient or I don't want to, you know, fill up my Patterson tank or I'm just mad at the world and don't want to deal with the changing tent. So I, I know I'm going to get some use out of it, but I think definitely uh, if I do more of those like developing um, little lessons or, or workshops just with, with friends that are interested in getting into it, um, I think that would be, you know, perfect rather than taking out the changing 10 and like having to kind of 
guide somebody from the outside of the tent being like, okay, well, feel for this, feel for that. I think just giving them something like the lab box and be like, go for it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be. Yeah. So that electronic display, is it going to actually like, is it, will it, will it function as like a timer as well? Or do you know, like, cause that, that would be timer, a cool feature. Display. Yeah. Wow. That, that's kind of, that is, I got to admit, I mean, that's way more high tech than I need for my, uh, expert hands in developing at this point <laughs> but uh but uh but but it is that's that's kind of damn cool i gotta admit <laughs> you know like that's pretty high tech developing you got going on there so uh that that's 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 i, I gotta give them credit that's that's a a way to you know they took a different take on it and they've done something no one else has done before so uh congrats and good on them for it yeah yeah absolutely like i'm, I'm even kind of thinking now like you know granted they aren't the the cheapest developing tanks in the world but uh if like you know schools or universities are wanting to kind of restart like a, a film uh program or, or club or anything like that i mean like what a great way to to sort of you know have an easy way for like, even like super super young students to to develop film because it's literally like you you clip the little clip onto the leader close the lid and you just turn that wheel on the side until you know it stops flip up the little knife to to cut it off of the roll and then you just pour chemicals in like it's it's super easy wow wow and i guess how does it separate the 120 paper does it like send it to a different like how does that do you know how that works like with 120 film like uh... <laughs> It's a little bit more complicated. I'm putting you on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little bit more complicated than I can explain right now. If you guys just head over to Kickstarter and put in lab hyphen box, um, you'll, you'll see the little animations that they have and it'll, it'll show exactly how the, the 120 works. It's definitely like a little bit uh, more complicated on the, on the inside, but just as easy from like a user perspective as the as the 35 i just don't know how to explain it with words i put you on the spot there i should have should have found out if you knew that before i asked it (laughs) what i will do is um i'll actually post uh pictures and maybe even a video uh within like the next few days of the the rondinax uh tank that i have um mine's actually a, a a special one it has um instead of being like branded agfa it's actually branded lights yeah i hear you know i'm already sensing a lot of (laughs) didn't cost me any more it was just sitting there at southeastern like they didn't know what it was and i i saw it i knew what it was and i was just like you know to to chris my manager i was like you know chris how much for this and he's just like uh you know this weird black thing with the and it's still got like the the box on the outside that says lights he's just like oh like 25 bucks i was like cool (laughs) i'll take it Forever the gear snob, Andre Dominguez. But uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Going for old boxes, so. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I think we've pretty much uh, covered what we want to get to today. Uh, remi- um, just a reminder that you have at least one more day to sign up for the negative positives double exposure uh, film, but exchange. I don't know uh, tag team cage match challenge or whatever so uh definitely sign up for that if you're on the facebook group and if you're not on the facebook group you're missing out so sign up for the facebook group the negative positives film photography podcast facebook group all right andre where can people see your work people can see my stuff on timelessstreets.com at a dominguez 64 on instagram and of course the negative positives film photography podcast facebook group Awesome. You can see my work on Instagram at Gutterman Photo, on Facebook at Mike Gutterman Photography. You can email this program at guttermanphoto at gmail.com. And by all means, start emailing us with your ideas on uh, the how many keepers you have per row. Uh, there'll be a thing on the Facebook group about what we're looking for with that. So uh, get some emails and have a whole episode of that kind of thing. And uh, let's see. I think that's it. So, all right, that's the end of this episode. Everyone stay positive. And shoot some cool film photos. Cool beans. We will see you all soon. Thank you for listening.